Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to Inappropriate with me, your host, Anna Funes. Okay, so let's just get this part out of the way. Yeah, it has been like five months since I have released a podcast. And no, I did not give a warning that I was going to be taking a hiatus. But that was also partially because I did not know that I was going to be taking a break. I think after I recorded the last episode, Back and Worse Than Ever, I kind of knew that I was about to get really busy with school, um, prep, and all the chaos that comes with that. But I never really thought to myself, I'm going to take a break from the podcast for X amount of weeks. And the podcast was something that like crept into my mind about once a week. But I would avoid thinking about it because one, I really didn't even have the time. Two, I didn't have any ideas. And three, I didn't have the motivation. And I talked about that in the last podcast. And yeah, I kind of gave in to the no motivation. But I'm back and I have ideas and I'm really working out what I want this podcast to be. I'm excited to talk to myself again and then hopefully make y'all laugh or just um, distract you from life for like 30 minutes. So here we go. Um, First, I want to say thank you to everyone who has stayed on me about doing the podcast. It's been it's been really fun to hear people that I don't really know. Um, they've told me that they have listened to the podcast. Um, like one time I was at um, a party and a girl comes up to me and I know her through friends and like I follow her on social media, but I don't think we'd ever met in person. But she recognizes me and she comes up to me and she says, oh my gosh, I love your podcast. And I... I think she said something about like listening to it while she cleans or drives. Um, but I can't really remember the details because it was over a month ago. So shout out to her if she's listening now. Okay, okay so, so like I just said, I am in the process of figuring figuring out what I want this podcast to be and how I'm gonna format it from from now on. So I'm gonna be trying like different segments and see what flows and see what doesn't but I think this first one I'm trying this week I think is going to stick just because it makes sense for me so welcome to the very first segment of this week in pop culture (laughs) starting with December 6th Olivia Rodrigo announced her Sour World tour it will take place in 2022 in about 30 cities across the U.S. and then about 15 cities over in Europe Tickets went on pre-sale on Ticketmaster on December 10th at 11 a.m. and were sold out basically before the sale even started. If you don't know how Ticketmaster pre-sale works, neither do I. But basically no one got tickets and now they're going for about like in the mid-thousands for resale. The same day, Drake withdrew his Grammy nominations. He did not explain why, but he has had past beef with the Recording Academy since like forever, so it's most likely something to do with that. December 7th, Tristan Thompson was caught cheating again. Uh, third time's the charm, I guess. Um, he's having another child with this woman, and there has been no public comment from Khloe Kardashian. And y'all, y'all need to give Khloe Kardashian a break. She's been through, <laughs> she's been through so much, and I think the world just needs to let it slide for once. 
Okay, Thursday of last week, December 9th. Miley Cyrus and Pete Davidson made an appearance on Jimmy Fallon to promote their New Year's Eve party. Obviously, this sent an internet into an absolute spiral because of the recent rumors of Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Um, some people think that him and Miley are actually together, but honestly, I don't think they are. They just give off, like, bestie vibes. Um, I don't know how I feel about Kim and Pete, so please don't ask me. December 11th. Billie Eilish hosted SNL, and from what I've heard, it was a pretty decent episode. I watched a good bit of the season of SNL, um, and I think they've got a good team of writers going for them, because the season was, for the most part, consistently funny. My personal favorite episode from the season was Kim Kardashian's episode, so I strongly suggest you go watch it. Oh, speaking of Kim, she recently filed to be legally single this past Friday. I, I don't really know what that means. Um, other than I read if like a judge signs off on certain papers, then she's legally single but not fully divorced, which I think has to do with something with custody of the kids. Um, but I'm not going to go into detail on that because I don't know. Also, she has requested that her maiden name be restored, so she will be going back to being just Kim Kardashian. So, big things happening. December 12th. December 12th was the one-year anniversary of Taylor Swift's ninth studio album um, that she refuses to acknowledge the existence of, um, and that's Evermore. She did not post anything about the album on her personal account. Her co-writer and producer of the album, Aaron Desner, did post and tagged Taylor, but she was radio silent all day long. So, Hey guys, it's me while I'm editing, and I just now realized that the album was actually released on December 11th, not December 12th. That is all. I've heard it's three times harder than like the normal bar exam in California, and I don't know all the details, but I did read Kim's post caption, and it was super sweet. She has a lot of respect for her father, Robert Kardashian, who passed away in the early 2000s. And this, I think, is like her way of honoring him and following in his footsteps. Um, so it's honestly pretty sweet and pure. Let's see. The Golden Globe nominations were also announced December 13th. I may do another whole segment on the Globes and the Grammys in another episode. December 13th is also the two year anniversary of Harry Styles' album Fine Line. So happy birthday to that. And it was also Taylor Swift's birthday. She turned 32 years old. So she's finally aged that John Mayer was. When she dated him when she was 19. So that was with this week in pop culture. I'll see you again next week for more pointless news that you can talk about to seem cool to your friends. Um, also, let me know if you like this segment. I don't, I, I, I want to know what does and doesn't work. Um, okay, so now I'm going to dive into the meat of this episode. I think this episode is going to be pretty different from my first three episodes. And I don't know how to feel about it because I, I really love the first three and I feel quite attached to them and I take a lot of pride in them. But I think I'm taking this whole thing in a new direction. Um, I dove into this podcast thing with like a ton of pressure to be funny. Um, and so I scrapped a ton of ideas because I didn't think they were funny enough. Um, so my thinking from now on is just to sit down, record, and release. And I think I need to get as comfortable as possible, like sitting down, 
and talking to myself before I add the pressure of being funny. And I think once I get used to this, it'll come more naturally um, as I get more comfortable. Am I taking this way too seriously? Yeah, I am. But I'm fine with that. Um, I hope you are too. So thank you for coming along with me on this journey. Um, so without further ado, let's talk about the sophomore schlump. Everyone knows exactly what I say when I say sophomore schlump. And if you don't, then you're very lucky. Um, sophomore schlump is the period of time when you're a sophomore in college and the shiny newness of from freshman year wears off and you realize, oh, crap, I have to start making decisions that will directly affect the rest of my life. And I realize saying that now that it's such a dramatic thing to think, but that, that's kind of the point. It's kind of an all-at-once feeling. And I know I'm not alone in this feeling because I've talked to so many people that are sophomores and they're like, yep, I'm in the exact same boat. I feel so, like, directionless. And so for this episode, I'm going to share my experience with the sophomore slump and how I'm working in it, how I'm working against it to feel better about myself and my education. And I hope, I hope that in sharing my experience that you can get something out of it and avoid everything that I did because don't do what I did. It's awful. So sophomore year is a very confusing time, especially for the like Corona class. Um, so the class of 2020, um, we graduated in the middle of the pandemic, and we started college in the middle of the pandemic. And so for my, for my campus, at least, we were online the entire first year, and there were no in-person events, like, really. There was no orientation. There was no, like, in-person rush. There, no, like, nothing. And so we walk into this second year of college being sophomores, but we feel like freshmen, and it's all just extremely confusing and I remember my first day of classes and it was literally or I, I, it was literally so nerve-wracking um but I was like fine um like within 10 minutes honestly and the crisis didn't even come with like being in a classroom it came outside of the classroom like everything else as all of you know I've changed my major about eight times I'm very open with my indecisiveness um <laughs> I basically did a world tour of the University of Memphis colleges, but I finally landed in the College of Journalism. And I was satisfied, but then I wasn't. Um, and that was probably like week three of school. So very quickly, my brain just like spiraled. And there's a difference in between like your brain spiraling and then like your heart spiraling. Um, I don't know how to explain that, but I hope you just understand what I mean. So my brain was spiraling. And it, just, it wasn't just because of school and not knowing what the rest of my education would look like. It was like all these other things in my head that my brain was just like tricking me into believing. And it was just not great. And I think that's something that a lot of sophomores go through. Freshman year, for the most part, it's just gen eds and figuring out college and meeting a ton of new people. And it's great. But then sophomore year comes along, and for a lot of people, that's a, there's a whole new pressure to just get it together. And, of course, like, you can think that 
no one really has it together, like, ever. But there's just something about the second year of school that it feel, you feel so much more grown up. And so you feel like you have to get it together, even though you know you don't really have to, if that makes sense. Um, and then you look around, and it looks like everyone else does have it together. And you know everyone's faking it, but you... It's just a vicious cycle. Um, so some people, they face the pressure head on and they just push through. Um, but then there's some people that can't really deal with the pressure and they just shut down. And that's what I did. And what's amazing about shutting down is that it doesn't just affect your academic life. It affects every single aspect of your life. So. Your relationships suffer, your emotional health suffers. It just all declines quite quickly. Um, and that's just fantastic. Uh, so I live at home because I, I was going to study abroad next semester, but sadly it, it didn't work out. Um, so for me, it already takes like twice the effort to be social. Because like the drive to Memphis is such a trek. And it is just, like, so much easier to not show up to things um, and stay home and, I don't know, do nothing, basically. Um, so there was um, just super confused about what I was supposed to be doing. And, like, no one in my life knew what to do to help me other than just, like, you know, be there to, like, listen. Um, and I was there for other people too. Like, I'm not just saying I was dumping on people. Um, it was like all, a lot of people I know were just not feeling great about sophomore year and that's okay. And I'm extremely grateful with the people who were patient with me and I hope I was patient enough to help them as well. Um, because I mean, that's all you can do. You know, you can't fix things. Um. And so you just have to push through it along somebody, alongside somebody. Um, so somewhere in there, when I was just in the trenches emotionally, um, I turned 20. And that was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> I, I've never been someone who was scared to get older. Um, in fact, I love birthdays. You can ask anyone I know. Um, anyone who went to high school with me, like birthdays were my thing. And I, I'm not just talking about my birthday and I don't want to sound too conceited. Um, but in this context, I am talking about my birthday. Um, my birthday comes around and a whole crisis comes along with it. I was super happy to leave my teenage years because I was ready to leave the immature things that I did as a teenager behind, and I think everybody is once they get to 20, uh, and that's a bit dramatic, but it's true. Um, but yeah, 20 was, turning 20 was really weird. Um, but I continued on with my life, and I, and I was getting better and feeling more like myself, and I was journaling, and seeing my friends more often, um, and I really poured my, my brain into my schoolwork, um, even though I didn't really know what 
I was working towards. And I was just chilling. But then clarity came and hit me like a truck at like the end of October. Very much against my will. (laughs) And I was like, oh. But then I moved forward. And things started to make sense again. And I felt more like myself again. And I, I think I, I got myself back. Um, I started acting more like what I'm used to feeling like and what I felt before sophomore year. Um, and then I finally, finally figured out my major, um, like for good. And it was a very emotional thing for me, and I don't know why. And it's not like I was doing anything crazy different than everybody else. Like everyone declares their major at some point, but for me, it was like a, a very like like a turning point almost. Like once I figured out what I was going to be working towards, there was just a whole another boost of like energy and drive that came back. Um, and and maybe I'll switch my major again and. I hope I don't, but I mean, I guess I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Um, so anyways, um, so anyways, my major is public relations. And to some people, you might think that doesn't make any sense. You don't even like people. And to that, I say, first of all, rude. Second of all, it, it does make sense. I do like people. Um, but to fully ex- like understand why I chose PR, there's like a whole other story and like reasoning behind it. Because I want to do something very specific. Um, and I can explain that some other time. Because I don't really have. I don't really know how to explain it actually. So I need to like work that out for myself. Before I sit down and record about it. And so like I said. I could change majors tomorrow. And if I do. Then everything I just said is a lie. Um, so I just forget everything I said actually. This is this is gonna be so embarrassing if I come back like next week and I'm like, and I just pour my guts out about a new major I've chosen. Um, so just smile and nod if that happens. Please don't, please don't confront me about it because I don't know either. Um, and I think I might actually do a whole other episode on why I chose PR because I think once I get down into it, it's it's kind of fun, me funny how I chose PR and why. Um, so. I think you all will like the explanation. Um, so yeah, that is my experience with the sophomore slump so far, and I'm working against it. Um, but I want to help all my adoring listeners um, who are going through a slump in college, whether that's sophomore, freshman, senior, whatever. Or maybe you're not in college and you're just kind of in a rut. So I'm going to get some help from someone incredibly qualified to give advice. So right now I have pulled up www.scholarshippoints.com to tell you five ways to overcome the sophomore slump. So get your pens and pencils out, ladies and gents. Here we go. Number one, take new classes. Okay, this one kind of makes sense. It says, enrolling in a couple of elective classes that interest you is an easy way to get excited about school again. Sophomore year is a year it's supposed to become important to clear your major, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, yeah, but here's the thing, though. To take new classes, you have to talk to your advisor. And most likely you're going to have a psyche advisor. And I hate to say that, but it's, it's very true. My advisor got so fed up with me changing my major every other day that she just straight up passed me over to some new advisor. But if you have an advisor you're not comfortable with or one that you don't think is helping you, um, I think you can request for a new one or just like straight up confront them. But if you're not confrontational, then just ask for a new one and don't say anything. Um, But yeah, if you're able to, I mean, take some other classes that interest you like um, ceramics, maybe. If that's possible, or I think I've heard there's like a Harry Potter class in Memphis, so that's your thing. Um, knock yourself out. Number two, study abroad. I have no comments on that. Next. Number three, join extracurriculars. Yes, this is very good advice, but before you join an extracurricular, you need to think about the commitment level of whatever you're joining. Because if you're someone like me who has commitment issues, you need to be very, very careful with this. Um, I was in a certain extracurricular and I had to drop it, not because of my commitment issues, but because I got so into my head and I felt really bad about having to leave the organization or whatever, um, even though it wasn't really my fault. So. My advice with this is know yourself, know your limits, um, and just have fun. Number four, talk to other students. Yes, this could work in theory, um, but what happens when you're in class and no one's talking? Hmm? I sat next to the same two guys in one of my classes the entire semester, and I did try to, like, strike up some kind of conversation um and that's big for me because i freaking hate small talk uh, but the guy to my right was only there like every other month and then i got to my left just made it very clear he was not in the mood um because he just like you know swivel his chair like turn his chair just his back towards me um so that was fun made zero friends in that class and then in my other classes, um, I just forgot to put in the effort. Uh, there's the occasional like, oh, hey, I like your shirt. And then, the oh, yeah, your hair looks cool. If like someone got a haircut or something, I don't freaking know. But of course, nothing like really came from it. And that's okay. Number five, focus on yourself. Real talk, take care of yourself. Um, college won't be fun if you're sick. But, I mean, it's possible to be sick and have fun. I had the frat flu for, like, two months. But I had a great time. Um, but, I mean, it also could turn into something very serious if you don't, like, treat it. So, um, just take your emergency and everything will be okay. That's all I have for the meat part of the episode. Um, now I'm going to move on to another new segment I'm trying out. And it's called, I rant about something I either hate or love. This week's topic is why I hate family vloggers. I feel like this is a potentially controversial topic. Um, I hope no one listening has intentions of like becoming a family vlogger because I have, 
I have some things to say. Number one, it shouldn't be a thing. Like, at all. I think you maybe argue that it's kind of cute. Maybe. Maybe. But no, it's actually not. Um, and obviously, an easy family vlogger family to go after would be the Ace family. Because they're, like, absolutely the worst. Um, they, like, faked a robbery on their house for views. They post their kids having tantrums. They post their kids potty training, which is just gross and not great. Um, but another family vlogging, vlogging channel I can't stand is the LeBrant fam. And please don't come after me. Because I know they're like a beloved family to like high school white girls. And I used to kind of like them. Kind, kind of. And like I remember when Cole proposed... Cole, like the dad, proposed to his wife, Savannah, and how cute the video was because he like proposed to Savannah's daughter as well, basically. And it was like a really pure video, but also like they put it on YouTube for views and like monetized it. I mean, and like if everyone could put their life on YouTube and get paid for living, basically, then I mean, everyone would do it. But I mean, that's a, that's a whole other topic. And I think that's kind of like a, black mirror episode honestly but anyways they they just put too much of their kids lives online and the pranks they pull on their kids are absolutely not it i already hate youtube prank people pranksters um because it's just stupid and it's always pranks that are either too small or like way too big like illegal but like i think the lebrant fam like said that their, like, family dog died to their daughter, and of course, like, of course she just, like, loses it. And then they're like, oh, it was a prank, and the daughter's just, like, sitting there, like, still crying, because I don't even know if she knew what a freaking prank was. But then the dog walks in, and, like, it's fine, but it's also not fine. And everything about family vlogger families, families, everything about family vlogger families is just so unfair because the kids can't like stick up for themselves and say please don't post me being potty trained um and I don't know about you but like if I grew up um and one day learned that my mom documented me growing up and posted it like me being potty trained or having a meltdown when I had to wash my hair um I don't know why but I had a paralyzing fear of washing my hair when I was younger. Um, but like if I found that out, I would be livid. And I guess at some point I would forgive my parents because, you know, they're my parents. But like I'd be incredibly weirded out. Um, and anyways, I'm also just not, I'm not saying that family vloggers are evil. Like the LeBrants, I think they're genuinely good people. They just put too much content on their children online. But the Ace family, yeah, no, they're just like bad people overall. That's all I have to say for now. I think I could honestly have an entire episode dedicated to family vloggers and why it should be stopped or at least regulated. Um, but like I said, I'll save that for later. Okay, now we're going to move on to some questions. Questions. You can submit your questions at the Google form at the link in my bio. Ask me anything and everything, and I will most likely answer it. Ask for questions that have to do with a topic for the week. So, like, it's not, like, just random things out of left field, but 
We'll see. We'll see if that works out. Okay, the first question is, what is your favorite Harry era? This is a good one. My favorite, uh, Harry Styles, my favorite era of Harry Styles is probably Prince Hair Harry, and it's like the in-between from frat boy Harry to long boy Harry. It's an in-between frat boy Harry and long hair Harry. Um, there's a gorgeous picture that I'll post of him on the podcast account after I release this, but it's like the reason that that's my favorite era. Um, most people's favorite is either like long hair Harry or frat boy Harry, but you know, I like to be different. The second question says, okay, this is a bit longer. So somehow I need you to discuss how to read slash interpret signals. And I mean this in the context of dating or the process of liking someone and wanting to date them and all that awesome bleep. But especially like, how do you analyze someone who's already naturally flirty? Don't know how to interpret that. So of course I need your advice. Also, how do you know when you actually like someone? Yeah, that's good. Please help. This is an old question, and this situation situation has already been worked out for this person, but I will give my advice anyways. Um, honestly, I really have no idea. When it comes to reading romantic signals from people, I personally am so bad at it. I've always told I've always told people that I have a hard time distinguishing like platonic and romantic signals and relationships and I think that could be just like an immaturity on my part but I will I will say this I think something that shows that someone likes you is like when they break like the touch barrier and that sounds weird but like a girl or guy can like crazy flirt with you and anybody and everybody but maybe like you're the only one they hooked when they walked in or it can be just subtle things like them checking up on you every once in a while. Or or it can be something like... Okay, so flirting is like a pretty casual and fun thing. So maybe if they like get serious with you or open up to you, that could be a sign. Um, I don't know. Or maybe that's just a sign that they want to be friends. I don't really know. Please don't take my advice. But also, yeah, I think what I said makes sense. Um, there is another question, but it, all it says is stop using us for your benefit. So I'm just going to let that, I'm going to let that sit. Okay. Um, that's all I have for you guys this week. Um, thanks for listening and saying nice things about my podcast. It really means a lot. Um, I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye-bye.